0: It's okay. You've already seen penises, but I'm not sure you've seen this type of kitchen. But okay. Yeah. If it's just your, seriously if it's a priority, <laughs> oh well. <laughs>
1: Hey folks, this is your host Jay here. I'm here to give you a quick heads up about an audio issue we've had in recording this episode. Basically, I forgot to warn my guest about how sensitive mics can be and how careful one should be when recording anything with any kind of mic not to brush up against the device that you're recording on. So unfortunately, in this episode, you're going to hear some knocks, some rustling noises, and it's entirely my fault. I apologize in advance, and I hope you can still enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. Also, side note, you might notice that my voice sounds a little bit different here than in the main episode, and that's because I am on gender-affirming hormone therapy, and my voice has been gradually changing since the time of the recording of this episode. Okay, enjoy! Welcome to the coffee shop AU. I'm Jay, your host. I am trans, non-binary, neurodivergent, and currently living in Seoul, Korea. My pronouns are they/them, and I believe that queer folks like me deserve more safe spaces to share and hear stories about ourselves told in our own words. Joining me today to do just that is my friend Leia. Hi, Leia. How are you?
0: Hello. I'm okay. I'm getting the fall cold. Oh. it's good because it means Fall is here, so it's nice.
1: Fall is here, and you're under the weather a little bit.
0: Yeah, It's okay, it's on brand with the weather right now in France.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's getting pretty chilly in Korea as well. What are
0: you drinking? So, because right now it's very raining and gray, and I'm cold, so I'm having an... Mm -hmm. Apple, cinnamon, herbal tea. Ooh. It's very warm. It's very cozy. I love it. That's
1: awesome. Mm, it's
0: very like the herbal tea I want to drink.
1: Yeah. It's very autumn slash winter taste. Yeah. Apple and cinnamon are my two favorite flavors mm. in anything, in any form. <gasps> Have you ever had that in herbal? Um, I think so. Mm. It's also, I think, one of the best taste combinations too.
0: I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean cinnamon goes well with everything, but with apple, it's like, peak.
1: <laughs> it's the best. I'm drinking a little cup of barley tea. I'll show you.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Barley <gasps> tea!
0: <laughs> nice. I miss it.
1: <laughs> yeah, in Korea it's very, very common, mm. and you can buy it anywhere. Mine's home-brewed. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. That's really cool. It's really nice. And I'm drinking barley tea instead of something caffeinated, which I need daily. But right now Mm. it's like evening time, so I can't have anything full of caffeine, but it's mm-hmm. uh. What time is it for you? It's like afternoon, early afternoon. Yeah, it's
0: afternoon. It's after lunch. Mm-hmm. Later on, I'll make a coffee, but right. I need to stay hydrated with my cold. I'm like, I'll have a big teapot yeah. of
1: apple cinnamon herbal. <laughs> nice. So tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're joining us from.
0: So I'm Leah. I'm French. I'm. <laughs>
1: That sounded very French to me. <laughs> so you were born in France? Yes.
0: Living currently in the Hen. My pronouns are she, her. Uh-huh. I'm white. I have Jewish roots. I identify as asexual. Uh-huh. Probably aromantic, but that's like a journey I'm on right now. And also, when I tell people about like what I've done... I don't realize it but I suffer from like heavy anxiety that can easily trigger me and lead me to depression if I if I don't keep tabs on it and if I'm not careful and if I just let it go while uh-huh. but now I'm under antidepressant on a low dosage I've started therapy that works uh-huh. and I'm amazed now how good I am handling my anxiety considering that I've started a new study uh-huh. midwifery schools. In France, you have to pass the medical school entrance exam. So I studied hard for a whole year, cried a lot, and made it! So now it's my second year in my free school. Yay! I love it, but it's as well very (laughs) anxiety-inducing.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine.
0: But it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. But I'm amazed that, like... I could not have done it 10 years ago. I need, I think, all this journey and all the therapy work and mental work I did
1: to be able to cope with this
0: type of study.
1: Of course. Yeah. It's all coming together. It is. When I first met you, I definitely remember having conversations around, you know, media, films and TV shows and talking about, yeah, your experience of being on a course that had to do with, was it filmmaking specifically?
0: Yeah, it was filmmaking and film theory as well. Right. It was theory and practice of the cinema. Mm -hmm.
1: And then you mentioned that you were actually really interested in going into midwifery. And I just Mm. remember thinking like... Wow, that sounds intense and very, very cool.
0: (laughs) It's exactly what it is, intense and cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. I admire you for having the courage to study something. So yeah, it's just very, very awesome.
0: Oh, thank
1: you. So right now you're based in France. Yes. But before that you were in Korea.
0: Yeah, I moved a lot actually, so after my degree, I lived six months in Latvia, then I spent four years in Scotland, uh-huh. and I spent six months in Korea and where I met you Yeah. before starting my medical entrance school exam. It was like my year of happiness before getting into <laughs> <laughs> the study nightmare.
1: <laughs> you were only in Korea for six months?
0: It was only six months. Yeah, I wanted to do a whole year, but it was COVID time. And I could only get into Korea with a student visa and the school was expensive. So Uh I'm still very lucky that my
1: parents were able to like
0: pay two terms,
1: but it was only two terms then. Uh But
0: it was worth it. It was really nice
1: oh i'm glad to hear that yeah i thought for whatever reason you were here for longer what was that experience like for you
0: so i spent three months like a year two years before in korea where i was traveling a lot and then working in a farm they were just so nice they were just very friendly Mm -hmm. and welcoming i just fell in love with the landscape Mm -hmm. i feel overall the traits of Koreans are more similar to French than British and French. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So after spending four years in the UK, I felt like I understood some of the codes more in Korea than Great. Like I feel Korea is a very emotional country like friends.
1: Yeah, people are emotional. <laughs> yeah. Emotional, a bit dramatic. Mm, a little bit hot-headed.
0: Loves to eat, loves to sing.
1: That's true, that's true.
0: It's very much like French culture, to be honest, like the importance of good eating, eating together, yeah. and singing a lot. Or, I mean, with my family, I felt like my family had a lot of similar traits that I could see. With my friends, and people that I've encountered in Korea. And, uh-huh. Yeah. And I got to, like, learn more, develop my Korean, just have a really good time hiking, meeting great people like you. And uh-huh. and I was on a holiday. I could never live in Korea while working. Like, the war culture won't suit me at all. Like, I'm also aware of all the flaws, right, of this culture. And I'm like, uh-huh. I could never work and live there long term. But, like, short-term holiday vibe. I loved it. I love tea and current teas are so good. Oh, yeah. Like the tea rooms there are on a different level. The, we have teas. The food. Food is delicious. The food is great. And karaoke everywhere. I mean, I just, <laughs> I just love the entertainment culture as a whole there. So it was just living yeah. the best my best
1: life oh I'm so glad to hear that I agree with everything you've said about Korean culture one of my favorite things about Korea is the affordable karaoke yes, um, <laughs> yes. and uh, sometimes just, I'll just go by myself mm. and sing the songs that I want to sing so good and it's a great way to like release some stress it's a good thing that we have that mm. because the work culture as you said can be really really grinding yeah. and that is one thing that Korea does not share any similarities mm. in with the uh, yeah. French yes. culture, from what I understand of <laughs> French culture. Mm-hmm. No, you're totally right. <laughs> You've lived in different parts of the world, including Korea, where the majority population is not white. Mm. Do you think that your ethnicity or race, yeah. let's say your skin color, does that affect the way that you experience different cultures? Oh,
0: definitely. Definitely. Like, for example, I was a foreigner in Korea, right? I was learning Korean, and whenever I would just say like "hello," everybody would be like, "Yes, so great! Wow, you're speaking such a good Korean!" Like, everybody's so excited. <gasps> a white person speaking Korean. So it really built up my confidence about speaking in Korean, right? Like, you're like, right. "Okay, okay, I'm being supported." And then I have friends; they're Chinese, they're from Hong Kong, like mm-hmm. Eastern Asian traits. They're saying hello in Korean trying to speak and people looking at them being like, You're supposed to be Korean, why are you speaking mm. such a bad Korean, you know? So for me it was like mm-hmm. I was obviously a foreigner. So I got like a foreigner treatment and I got like a white mm. foreigner treatment, like cliche and prejudice toward French people. If you're adding French people, it's very not threatening, it's quite mm-hmm. glamorous and it's very well seen. Because also I'm from Paris area. So when people ask me where I'm from, I'm just saying Paris. So you can't have like the glamour. So when I lived in Latvia as well, being white was a plus because Mm -hmm. 99% of Latvia is white. Just because with the Soviet bloc, like there Mm -hmm. weren't a lot of immigration. But then I talked to another French guy that is Arabic. And he said like, I kept being stared at in the street and people were like Mm -hmm. feeling threatened by him. So, yeah, I have the EU passport. That is one of the strongest, which allowed me as well to travel easily to Latvia, to Korea, to Southall in the UK. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm upper middle class, so I also had the financial mean to also fully enjoy Korea and to be able to find place where to stay, to enjoy the meal, to enjoy the food. Latvia was like EU project, so I didn't have to spend money. But, yeah, for Korea, definitely my social class. And uh, my race definitely just made it all easier for me to spend a good time Mm -hmm.
1: in Korea. Yeah, I think that example of like an East Asian presenting person in Korea speaking Korean when it's not their first language, the response they get to that, I'm sure is really different Mm. from an obviously non-Korean, non-East Asian presenting person speaking Korean. Um, and I think that's yeah. even more double interesting when you consider, for example, you lived in Scotland. Um, if you yeah. spoke to them, mm-hmm. I mean, you do speak with a little bit of a French accent. Yeah. And let's say you don't sound like you're from that place, wherever you are then I feel like Mm. it would be very rare for you to get like the same treatment that uh, like these Chinese friends of yours got from Korean people, right? Because it's much more normalized. Yeah, there are a lot more mobility between white European populations in Europe. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just super interesting how that works. Even, like, Korean-Americans coming to Korea, I know that when they cannot speak the language fluently, they're like, what is wrong with you? Like, this is the reaction they get. Like, what's defective? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I know that can really hurt yeah. people. So, yeah, it's just really interesting to hear different queer people's experiences and how the way they look, what they pass as, all these um, concepts and ideas and values that people attach to the way you appear before they really get to know you, I think is super interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: But I'm really glad that you were here both times. And that brings us to like how we met. Cause we the first time we met, we also hiked. Yes, in the snow. In the snow. The snow. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you remember from our first meeting?
0: Yeah. So I knew some people by wanting to know more when I was in Seoul. Mm. I went on Bumble friend, which is a meeting app.
1: There are two different modes you can use Bumble the app on. So yeah. there's the dating mode and then there's the BFF mode. BFF, that's it. And we met.
0: On BFF. Yeah. And I just like how you describe yourself. So we started chatting and I like to meet people right away so that you get a feel. Mm-hmm. And also like I used Bumble BFF before in the UK and France, so I know it was a good platform to get to meet people I would have never met otherwise, because someone would just stop with our own friend circles, right? And you can't really reach out to other people. Even in Rennes, I've used it. That's great. So yeah, and then we met for our hike and there you were. I remember we bought like banana milk, which I loved.
1: Oh, God, I forgot that.
0: I just remember, I think that banana melt. And then we just went on this, like, it just felt very comfortable and easy. Like, mm-hmm. I think we went into deep conversation really fast. Yeah. But it felt very safe and caring and deep listening. I remember it was really beautiful going on this walk with the snow and having this great conversations about different topics. And, yeah, it was, like, friendship at first sight kind of for
1: me. <laughs> I totally agree with you I was thinking about that time before coming on this call with you and the thing I remember most vividly about that first meeting is just sitting down at one of the I forgot the English word for it but you know those like the wooden structures yes, yeah. where you can sit down yeah, the, with benches and it has yeah. a roof and
0: pagoda, pagoda mm-hmm. yeah
1: And I remember like really diving in deep with some of the stuff that were going on in our lives. And I just remember how present you were and how empathetic and so kind and you really listened. I was so moved by that. I do think that that's when I started to feel very safe and the rest of the way of the hike, you shared with me about your personal things and then we had some really nice noodles, but I forget like what kind of noodles. After the hike, we had noodles. I
0: think it was Komi, right? Kong-guk-su. Kong-guk-su.
1: It's like noodles with like bean juice. It's like somewhere in between paste and juice and it's amazing and delicious. Yeah,
0: it's like a thick broth and it's really nice.
1: Yeah, uh, it's like savory and salty and it's like... it just tastes like warmth. Yes. Um. I want it now. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's actually not that hard to make if you have uh like an east asian food market or like if you are into you know making your own bean paste slash juice you can make it that part is hard but if you can okay. get like bean broth from somewhere Ooh. it's really easy to make okay i'll, I'll track it down mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know if they have international food markets in ren but they have thank god
0: oh, cool. <laughs> kind of like go to and other stuff and kimchi
1: oh kimchi of course I can't forget about kimchi
0: so yeah i can have ramen as well as my like snack food fast food so
1: which brand is your favorite my
0: favorite is one that i can't find here oh. it's a veggie one with like carrot and potato one it's a red soup one. Oh, okay but then here i started discovering the um, the fiery chicken ones. <gasps>
1: Bulldakmyeon? Mm. Bulldakmyeon. No way.
0: I'm only putting half of the spicy sauce.
1: Okay, cuz it's...
0: Actually, earlier I had some with carbonara because I was like, I had a shitty week. I deserve fast food. Here we go. <laughs> ramen, spicy ramen, especially with the cold. I was like, yes.
1: All oh, right. Clean
0: those sinuses.
1: <laughs> well, that's a good strategy, to be honest. I am terrible with spicy foods, by the way. Like, yeah. I remember trying one little bite of the 불닭볶음면
0: yeah these are
1: harsh yeah yeah the spicy chicken fried noodles and literally my stomach was on fire and then my (laughs) intestines were on fire and then i'm like how do you eat this stuff (laughs) honestly i don't really understand people who say that they do release stress by eating something spicy and that makes them sweat it Mm. does something for them it's like going to the sauna or something yeah but if that's you you know power to you i'm glad that you found something that works for you
0: (laughs) it's so funny because before going to the first time in Korea mm. like Western Europe does not have a spicy style of eating. We use some like fancy kind of like hot pepper tabasco but very light. Sure. So I was really bad at it and before going to Korea I knew it was going to be super spicy so I actually trained myself for a month before going to Korea
1: you trained yourself
0: I trained myself to eat spicy food it's a good thing I did that because I ended up at some point I stayed with some locals in the countryside and sometimes they just give you food Right? you go to this one restaurant and the only thing you have are like spicy noodles yeah so I guess I could order and be like it's okay I'll be able to eat (laughs) and then I I loved it so I have zero regret for this training I made by myself
1: (laughs) I am so impressed. That's like some rocky shit. Well, kudos, seriously. So, okay, we're really into food talk, which makes sense considering the countries we're living in. Yes. We met up, like, quite a few times before you left. Yeah. That's why I feel like you were there longer. Mm. You actually helped me paint yes. some things at my old flat. Yeah. Because I had just moved in and you were there to, like, help me. And it was really just, it was a nice time. Mm. And you introduced me to another friend who's become a treasured person in my life. So, mm. yeah, I'm very glad that we found each other on Bumble. Mm. Yes. And after you left, we kept in touch. mm and what do you think is the thing that we talk about mostly so we talk about mostly shows
0: that we both watch (laughs) and sometimes also like when we're having a hard time we keep in touch and we do i think manage to be aware of what's happening in each other's life wherever are at, Mm. in terms of mental health and the things we're struggling yeah and we have this call when we can dive in more but we have a lot and mm-hmm. lot of talk about, like, American reality, real estate show.
1: <laughs> okay, so would you agree with the following statement? I was the one to introduce you yes. to reality TV shows, <sighs> mostly exclusively about real estate on Netflix. Yeah, this
0: one, yes, you did. Because I was like, <laughs> if Jay likes it,
1: must be pretty good. And it was. <laughs> it is really good and now you love it you're the (laughs) one who's letting me know there's a new season out and I'm like oh my gosh I am sold and then we promised each other we're gonna watch one episode at a time (gasps) oh yeah like I'm limiting myself to like two episodes tonight I have stuff to do and then three hours later we're like (laughs) How far along are we? Because <laughs> I've watched half the show now, <laughs> half the season. <laughs> that's true. it's very mm-hmm. true. <laughs> Secondhand drama is the best way to get it. And we will, like, talk about the shows in real time as we're yeah. watching them. And I feel like that's a very valued part of our friendship.
0: I know. Like, we managed to do, like, heavy but with very, light like, things. And that's important. Mm-hmm.
1: It's very important. So I feel like in the future... If we have more episodes on this show together, we will definitely be talking about some of the shows that we really love. That sounds great. Because, like, I love trash talking. Same. <laughs> Things from <around> reality TV. <laughs> With you, specifically. Yeah, like,
0: Selling Sunset and stuff. So definitely think we can do an episode about this whole series. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Don't even get me started on Selling Sunset. No! Uh, <laughs> If there's anybody listening who's also super into docutainment, reality <laughs> TV shows.
0: <laughs> like shitty ones.
1: <laughs> I mean, some of them are really high production, especially the real estate ones. Oh, yeah. You mean like the content? Yeah, like the content. Not the quality of the production. No, no, no. The quality
0: mm-hmm. is very good. Like the mm-hmm. content is still like... I mean, that's why we're watching it, right? We're not watching it mm-hmm. for really intense...
1: Um, for educational purposes
0: yeah i like to go into meta dive on what the meaning of this show is mm-hmm. i mean you can't easily do it but the content is not that
1: yeah you hate love hate watch it <laughs> yes. yeah so if there's anybody else who are fans of this type of shows just let us know yeah. and give us new names
0: so that we get new stuff to watch as well Oh,
1: yeah. I actually did start watching Buying Beverly Hills, which is a whole other plane of, you know, like L.A. L.A.? Definitely in California. Family real estate business. Okay. It's got other types of drama. It's captivating. I
0: think I know what I'm going to watch after it. <laughs> after Yay. The podcast.
1: Oh, my gosh. Now we get into the really juicy questions. That's right. When we first met, I don't know if it was on our first meeting or maybe like afterwards, but I do remember you mentioning your asexuality to me. Mm. Um, I think some of our sexual orientation and gender identities were on our bio descriptions on Bumble. Yeah. I remember you had a queer flag on your bio description and that's what made me reach out to yeah. you. Same for you. Right. <laughs> And so we kind of knew Mm. the being queer part about each other when we first met. And then I don't exactly remember when you shared your asexuality with me and your like romantic orientation. And I just remember further on in our friendship, having in-depth conversations about all those mm. things like romantic attraction and sexual attraction, as well as all types of different kinds of attractions and our respective individual experiences of that. Mm. So in your own words, what's your experience of your sexual orientation and romantic orientation yeah
0: it's tricky in a sense that it's a lack of sexual attraction Mm -hmm. so it's not something where it's like i'm guessing when you're a kid and you're either gay or lesbian or don't fit the gender norm you will have a oh i'll feel that which is outside the norm Uh uh-huh me i was just like I don't feel it, so I wasn't even questioning it, because I was like, it's not there and never have been. So, you know, you don't miss something you never have, kind of. Mm-hmm. But in my head, <laughs> when I was a kid, I grew up on films and stuff, in my head it was like, I don't feel anything for all genders, so I must be straight.
1: Oh... Interesting.
0: Because this is what I've seen on TV. My parents are mm-hmm. in the straight dynamics. I was kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. so probably be the cis man. And he'll come when he'll come. Zero pressure. Then comes junior high and high school where I just didn't understand what was going on with my peers. Right. I thought they were all kind of making up crushes in their head. And kind of being like, ooh, yes, I really want this person. But like very actively thinking that. And I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, like, I don't want like i don't want to be bothered with that thought like i have other shit to do so i just never really Mm -hmm. i didn't even know asexuality was a thing so for me like i was never questioning my ability to feel attracted i was just like i'm not feeling it now maybe it's just not Mm -hmm. and nobody was telling it. i was telling it to myself but i was also like maybe i'll come but also i was very much like I would rather just watch a film who would bother with the date. Like I was already hearing stories from my friend. I was like, this sounds like a drag to go on thing to be having all those emotional issues. I'm very happy with my friends and watching film. So I was not lacking it. I was not missing it. But at some point I was still like, Mm -hmm. why am I still single when all my friends had an experience and stuff? I was just like, I couldn't be bothered. (laughs) I just really couldn't. I was like, why would you waste your time on all that stress? And then I went to college, and then travel, and then I realized, like, wait. So in my head, I was probably feeling something for all gender, but I was like, wait, so I must be pansexual. So then I got to, like, Mm -hmm. zero plus zero equal infinity, you know? So I was like, wait, I actually felt the same thing toward men women and other gender and non-binary.
1: Which is so no sexual attraction. Which is nothing. <laughs> which is nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: which is no sexual attraction. But it was all different types of attraction that I could feel. Like, I was friends with all genders. I was like, oh, so I must be, like, pansexual. Right. It was when I went on my master that a friend that is our ace told me about these terms. So I was like, <clears throat>
1: yeah. that's what happened. That's who I am. I understand this feeling. Yeah.
0: So, Like, it was never an issue because I love being romantic and I love being romantic with my friends. I do have sex sometimes, Uh but I will never make the first step. And it always kind of, like, baffles me where I'm like, are you sexually attracted to me? Since I don't get it, I'm just like, I don't know how it works, but, you know, I can, like, I can roll with that, (laughs) like.
1: Yeah, because you don't experience sexual attraction to other people. Yeah. You just understand that it happens for other people sometimes. That's it, like. And sometimes they're directed at you.
0: <laughs> I've taught myself that it exists. This is how mm-hmm. it can be portrayed. <laughs> like, I feel like I have like, a theoretical understanding of sexual attraction. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, but overall, like, I have a low libido as well, so I don't have to, like, hunt down for it. Like I'm just pretty settled with my friends and my life
1: and You have low libido, is that what you said? Yeah, I
0: have low libido. So uh-huh. because you can be ace and say like wanna have, crave sex all the time. Yeah. I just don't. So but the trick is sometimes when I feel like I wanna go on a date or I wanna have a partner going on the classical date road is quite triggering and tricky because I know that society expects sex within the dating cycles which I cannot picture in my head. Like, if I mm-hmm. tell myself in advance we might have sex, I'm freaking out. So so every time I try to go on date, and usually when I want to go on date is because I watch Korean reality TV show that portrays dates as, like, this whole, like, oh package experience gosh. of we're going to a nice cafe and we're going to a nice restaurant and we're going... Like, it's very platonic, right?
1: It's very platonic. This just made me realize that I've watched some of those shows with my mom. Like, Korean dating shows where people come on. Yeah. And you get certain amount of time just in this, like... House, yeah. Little village. Yeah. Like, an Airbnb or something with, like, members of the, quote-unquote, opposite sex or gender. Mm. And you go on dates with different people. And the whole setup is actually the way that they interact with each other and behave around each other is so asexual
0: or at least platonic and so i'm like
1: yeah yes
0: that's what i want and then i try Mm -hmm. going on the apps because i'm like i want to date and then the other day it's like showing the signs that i've learned through movies social media and like my friends i'm like Mm -hmm. oh i think they're expecting more and this is where i'm like i don't get it and i don't want it the times where I did interact sexually with people was always like on the moment and not expected, at least on my side, <laughs> hey. not expected. It just happened. Like it was never like a slow build up. Mm-hmm. And also I realized even from friends from their relationship, the second you add sex into it, it's going to be more fragile. Like the second it mm-hmm. ends, then you kind of lose that person. So for me, I was like, times I did went on dates or I felt like emotionally romantically attracted to that person. But I want to keep that person into my life. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, I'm going to make an effort so that we stay friends. Because friends, it's a safe bet to make sure they stay in my life longer than if I were to interact sexually romantically with them. Right. So for me, like, friends, the ultimate status. Mm-hmm.
1: I get that too. I consider myself to be on the ace arrow spectrum. Mm. Definitely gray sexual and gray romantic. And mm. obviously, we've talked about it before. You're not the first Person who identified as asexual that I made friends with. Mm. But it was still like, I met you before I completely identified Mm. as grey romantic slash grey sexual. And it was really interesting to hear your perspective, like everything you've just said. And I found a lot of my own Mm. experiences and feelings reflected in your accounts of how you experience attractions and people. So just for clarity, for the people who are listening, you don't feel any sexual attraction to anybody. No. But you're not opposed to having sex if mm, yeah. it feels okay with whoever you're with. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It sounds like you do experience romantic attraction to people or at least you're interested in exploring that.
0: Yeah, that's the question I'm on at <laughs> the
1: moment where I'm like,
0: right? I love being romantic. I love having romantic gesture. But... Yeah, maybe I do. I don't really know, honestly. It's just like I know that the setting of a couple as it is now intertwined romantic and sexual attraction so much that it's really hard to like untwine it, I don't know if it's the word. Like to separate it.
1: You mean the mainstream culture?
0: Yeah, the mainstream culture and the couples you see. It's like, because within the RRS community, we have this term of like queer platonic partner. And within platonic, you also have this idea of non-romantic.
1: Right. So just to quickly explain, queer platonic partners or queer platonic relationships or Mm. partnerships, that's where you do form a partnership of some kind with Mm. another person, but, I mean, I guess it really de- depends on your definition of it. But it's not the traditional yeah. partnership in the sense that there is no, like, sexual attraction to each other mm-hmm. and romantic attraction to each other.
0: That's it. Mm-hmm. And I had, like, these types of partners. And I just felt really comfortable. There's just this thing where you have this intimacy that has been created that is not necessarily physical but more emotional. And then, yeah, it's just, a, like, intimacy, I guess. So it's It's on a deeper level than, I guess, seeing your friends here and there for a coffee, for a tea. Uh It's really hard to translate. And then if you speak to people, each relationship will be different and will have different definition. So it's pretty wide. Like, it's good because you kind of make it your own. Uh I don't know where this sentence is going to lead. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not sure about romantic attraction.
1: So you're not totally sure where you stand on romantic attraction yeah. to people. Yeah. So is that why you keep going on dates? That's my question to you.
0: <laughs> to be honest, I don't go on that much. I had like, in a year, I had two. Oh, really? Yeah. And one was like, I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. But I felt it would make more sense to have her as a friend for other reason. And then I went on a really bad date. Where it was just like, not a good match, friendship, or whatever. I was just mm. like, no, but why am I going on dates? It's very much because of Korean
1: reality
0: TV show.
1: Oh <laughs> my is... god.
0: <laughs> also, like, no, okay. Okay.
1: Nothing wrong with that. I just think no, it's no. really funny. <laughs>
0: So I have this big frustration about me being really the only frustration about me being ace and having a low libido is when I'm hearing friends, like I have a couple of friends that like sleep around and stuff Mm -hmm. and they always bring me back these amazing stories about other people's apartment. Mm -hmm. When you're on a date and you're going to have a one night stand, it's the Mm -hmm. only setting, social setting where you can just go barge into a stranger's flat actually live in there for a couple of hours, see how this person interacts with their environment, and then you go and you don't have to see them ever again.
1: Legit, yeah.
0: And I'm like, I can't do that. I don't want to go have sex with strangers just to see their flats. <laughs> but it's also like, I want to see a lot of people's flats. Okay, I've given up on that idea. I'm still very like sad about it, but I'm like, fine. Mm-hmm. When I'm on Bumble BFF, for me, it's like, it's a commitment. Mm -hmm. I want to make friends. So I will spend the time and the energy to interact with this person I match on Bumble BFF. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: When I'm on Bumble Day, it's more of like, I just want to meet you people. I don't necessarily have time to interact. I just want to have like this. Korean reality TV show vibe where we go in a nice setting. I get to hear about this person's story mm. and it's okay if I don't see them the next day, you know, because it's a date, so it's socially accepted. You tell me all of your life story and I can just go my way. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a light version of uh, human contact, yes. building a relationship. There's no building. It's just you get to experience a person for a, for a bit and then it's like, bye.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't work because... <laughs> society do the opposite right like that's true in dates like <laughs> they invest,
1: that's true or if
0: it's just one night stand which i don't do so i ended up matching with people that are very much intense mm. which doesn't suit my need of what i want from that date <laughs> so
1: right yeah
0: and to have like fun dates i'm going with my friends like we went on a planetarium or a friend who made me a tour of like Parisian art gallery. Uh-huh. It was like my date. Like I dressed well and I was very happy. It was all very platonic. Uh-huh. And also there's another side of me that tries to go on dates because you have like this queer love story that are pretty amazing. And you're like, what if I find that? Uh. But most of the time it's just me being like, I just want to have a nice piece of cake telling my story. Bye. And still it gets me into a tricky situation because the person in front of me is like, I'm building a romantic relationship. I'm like, this is no. Uh-huh. <laughs> So yeah, that's why I'm going on loads of dates. Because every time I'm failing and I'm like, I'll try again.
1: (laughs) You want your perfect platonic romantic date.
0: Yeah, I have them. But it's when I'm with my friend, honestly. So at some point, I think I should give up on strangers. (laughs) If I'm going on apps, I should just stick to Bumble BFF to actually create a connection. Because the people I'm meeting on Bumble date are just... I feel like making an advertisement of Bumble...
1: Well, sponsorships are always welcome, you know? Yeah. Maybe they could add a new mode for folks who are looking for the platonic date experience. Preferably, you know, where you get to get invited to someone's home. (laughs) Yeah. After hearing your story, I have two questions for you. Yeah. Are you attracted to, like, all genders, or are you attracted to certain genders of people?
0: Attracted in what sense?
1: Attracted in potentially romantic sense. Ah, yeah, yeah. Like, who would you go on dates with, essentially? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: And what was the other question?
1: The second question is, you mentioned that you do have sex sometimes. Hmm. If you don't feel sexual attraction to people, what is the drive behind having sex with people sometimes?
0: Yeah. So... I knew that if I'm going to build a partnership, Mm -hmm. in whatever sense that is, it's going to be with... The gender doesn't matter as long as it's Mm non-cis-man. I realized that every time I saw... I'm only talking about like healthy couple, like good, perfect couples. Everything is healthy. Everybody's on it. But every time I'm seeing straight friends in their relationship, in their like healthy relationship, Mm -hmm. I don't want that. I can't project myself into this dynamic mm-hmm. but when it's queer couples lesbian couples non-binary and trans i'm like yes i can project myself into this dynamic mm-hmm. so I honestly the idea of like this love partnership where everything's fine you have your partner right there blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. it's kind of attracting to me but it's not going to be with the cis man
1: but then who knows but like now no right so you're not going on dates with cis guys right now no no no
0: <laughs> okay no no, no. And um, for what drives me to have had sex was, I'm using this metaphor every time friends ask me this question, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of museum, but sometimes I have a friend that is really into museum and I know that if I go to the museum with them, it's going to be fun because they're going to make it interactive and explain these stuff or like, it's going to be well suited, well fitting and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. We've been to a museum together.
0: Yeah, exactly. Remember? Yeah.
1: We got our like uh, tarot cards read and stuff. It was such a <laughs> fun one museum. Yeah. Cool
0: exhibition.
1: It was a cool show. Yeah.
0: And sometimes it's like, oh, they're going to take me to this exhibition. It's actually really nice and I'm enjoying it, but I would have never gone to that myself on my own. Mm-hmm. I've actually gone to a lot of museums in Korea because it's really interactive and fun, mm. Like especially the historical ones and the city ones. Yeah. But to get back on the topic, (laughs) I feel like having sex, it's exactly like that. When it happened, I was like, oh, because this person, their body shape was gorgeous. So I was like, "Mm." I get to touch it like a statue in a museum. Like aesthetic appreciation. It's a different type. Mm. And it's like, for some people, this type of intimacy makes sense. What do you mean? Like where I was like, I can see myself being physically close to you. Right. To have that type of intimacy with you mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have with it, someone else. Um, and it's also usually was with people that I didn't mind if we lost touch after it. Like it was people where I was like, it's okay if we don't keep in touch.
1: Mm-hmm. You mean you had sexual experiences with people that you knew didn't have to keep in touch with? That, Got it. Yeah,
0: that we were not like in the same country and like different journeys. But at that moment, it felt right considering like who they were and what they offered and how I felt with them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And again, it was very much like on the moment where I felt like, oh, okay, let's go to the museum. <laughs> you know, kind of, I wouldn't have gone by myself. Like I wouldn't have asked you to go, <laughs> yeah. but this happened and it's nice. Like it's a good experience and it was a good moment Yeah. that I'm not necessarily going to crave for, or maybe I would, but yeah.
1: Yeah, so you wouldn't lead this type of situation. But when it's offered, you're like, Mm. oh, yeah. Yeah, why not?
0: Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, it is cuddling and stuff, which is very comforting. Mm -hmm.
1: It's like physical intimacy.
0: Yeah.
1: I think sex is a really, like, specific type of physical intimacy that... If you're not counting in like all the other stuff that often is associated with sex, Mm. then purely speaking, it is physical intimacy. And you don't necessarily get to experience that with a lot of people, usually. Exactly. Generally speaking. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that with us.
0: Thank you for asking. Yeah.
1: Do you feel like asexuality is a big part of your daily life in terms of how we interact with the world?
0: Yes and no. For me, it's something that I've completely, I'm okay with. And I'm like, yes, this is who I am. And also it's The absence of, so I feel like I might be less bothered with sexuality than, like, people that have sexual attraction. There's this common joke within the ace community, right, where we're, like, we're probably thinking about sexuality more Mm. than other people, (laughs) than the rest that people that can't have sexual attraction. But because we don't know it, and we need to, like, figure out.
1: Oh, you're, like, curious. Yeah, we're curious. You have to, like...
0: We're like, how does that happen? Yeah, like, wait, where do I stand? And like, what does this person mean? Like, why do they interact like that? So actually, we talk about it a lot and we think about it a lot. Mm -hmm. But anyway, like, it doesn't bother me because when I meet someone. I don't, I don't know how you write like sexual attraction, but I feel sometimes just taking over someone's brain or something.
1: Oh, when people talk about sexuality like that, like sexual urges like that.
0: Yeah, when they're like, I'm sexually attracted to this person, there's like something that stopped working in their brain. And I feel like it sounds like very tiring. And I'm just very sorry for like all that energy <laughs> being drove into that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just like that sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's... Probably true. Also, I think the reason that people on the A spectrum might think about sex a lot, like (laughs) almost like they have to think about it like sexual
0: interaction, like,
1: yeah, Yeah, sexual interaction a lot. It's because we live in an allosexual society and an alloromantic society where it is kind of almost like just presented as a given. That's what we see growing up on TV and that's what we're told. It's just the natural, quote unquote, natural thing that happens. And I've definitely been confused with the whole culture of I am signaling to you that I am sexually attracted to you by doing this. And some of it is not conscious, I guess. Some of it is just kind of like, it's like micro expressions and body language and all that stuff. But some of it is also very much um, learned gestures where like, if I'm doing this, then you're supposed to catch my drift. And you're supposed to do this in return. If you're also like interested in me and I as a neurodivergent person like I was so confused (laughs) with a lot of those things and I've had to clarify a lot of things and I feel that a lot of the times when I have had conversations like earnest conversations with my whatever partners I've had in the sexual Mm -hmm. context about like so can you just explain this to me when you did that did you mean this and all that a lot of the times they have no clue what I'm talking about because they don't think about it but also they will tell me like like, there's almost this bashful kind of admission of, yeah, I did that because, you know, yeah. that's what I've seen on TV. And that was my way of signaling to you that I was interested in you in this mm. way. And I was like, oh, okay, good to know. Thank you for telling me. But if you don't have that conversation, it's hard to know. And a lot of it, I do feel the whole interaction part of it. There is some level of social conditioning that goes into it. So, of course, you have to think about it because it's so confusing. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and then, for example, like, I had, I knew this person that was always like, did you see how they look at me? Oh, my God, they still want me.
1: And I was like, mind reader?
0: What? And then I was afraid. I was like, am I missing this looks to me? Like, is this, are people like? Oh, yeah. But then they were also like, especially this person is always telling me how everybody wants them. (laughs) <laughs>
1: and I'm like Ow, how is that how like? much of that is your imagination or projection
0: yeah and projection uh-huh. so I'm like it's hard to tell if you were living in their world I'm like and are people like that to me
1: <laughs> sounds exhausting
0: <laughs> yeah as well but they were thriving on this
1: oh okay well go for them
0: but anyways like I had a friend telling me about like queer flirtation about legs being brushed out and I was like but sometimes I just touch that person's leg because we have to sit close to one another. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not, is it me sending signals? <laughs> the whole flirtation like system is hilarious to me. <phone rings> what I love—it's like in this Korean show, like love signal, heart signal, mm-hmm. where they have like this therapist on the panel. Okay. Because it's a lot of gesture. We need to understand who they're like based on their signal,
1: right? Uh huh. Non-verbal gestures. Uh huh.
0: And so at some point when the therapist was like, oh, did you see this person's showing their the artery, like the main artery on the neck, <laughs> like they're like making it very visible toward the other person. So it means that they're feeling super safe. So it's actually a sign of them liking them because they're like showing up their necks and showing their vulnerable part.
1: <laughs> okay. But what if you're at like the doctor's office and you have a sore throat?
0: <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, you're actually like signaling the doctor that you like them apparently. <laughs> Yeah, I trust you.
1: I mean, I guess it's a good thing to trust our doctor. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I find those things really interesting, like nonverbal gestures. It's just interesting in any context, but especially in the sexual context, sometimes the formula that's involved in engaging sexually with another human being in a neurotypical and alloromantic, allosexual way. Yeah. That's why it's really helpful to have conversations about asexuality and a romanticism Mm. because I feel like mainstream culture is still very, very much taking for granted that if you're a person, then of course you experience romantic and sexual attraction to people and usually it's best if you, you know, experience it toward the same one person (laughs) and then they're going to feel it back for you and it's like, and then you're going to get married and have kids. (laughs) That's not the reality for everybody.
0: No, and then even beyond being ace, for me, for example, I don't want children Mm. and if I can have a partner, it's fine if I don't. It's also fine because I have close friends and I have a family I can rely on, so I have my safety network and I have my cocoon or something. Sure. I was talking in therapy, and again, asexuality and that side of my identity is something that I'm very much in peace with. Mm-hmm. I do have moments of thinking and questioning, but it's more interesting, and it's not like waving me down, Like it's not putting me down. All those questioning about romantic, and like, all my dates, failure, and <laughs> stuff, you know, I'm more <laughs> amused at myself by that, and and I'm surrounded with nice people that understand who I am, and... I've never been shamed for the way I am in a relationship. And people, like, don't care if I've never been in a long-term relationship, blah, blah. Okay. All of this to say, when I was with my therapist, I think at some point we were talking about relationship and stuff because she was asking me, how is it on, like, the romantic side, blah, blah. And then I was telling her, I'm a sexual. I don't feel like I have to be with someone and blah, blah. And then she just started telling me, Nodia, humans need to be in a relationship. And then because also you'll see... <sighs> All your friends finding their mate and then having their family and they won't have time for you and then basically you'll die alone so you kind of have to find someone not to
1: die alone. Wow, so validating. (laughs) Yeah, I was like,
0: this is scaring the shit out of me. Like, what if I have dementia and no one to take care of
1: me? That's not how human relationships work, though. That's not how communities work.
0: And that shouldn't be. And also I was like, what about people that wanted to have children and that couldn't? Or people that wanted to be in a relationship and couldn't? Mm -hmm. It's not that easy. And also for example, for children, the only reason I might consider having them is for them to help me when I have dementia, which is not a good
1: like mm, <laughs> it's, not as a, life insurance. it's not a yeah. good
0: motivation to to like go through like forty years of anxiety of hoping they're not gonna get killed or Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, I feel like only my therapist is like making me scared of stuff that I wouldn't be scared of. <laughs>
1: Are you still with this therapist?
0: I am, but I just don't talk about this because she's really good on dealing with my anxiety and other things. Uh I just don't mention that my relationship
1: Mm -hmm. to make
0: her happy. I'm like, yeah, I wanted a date. She was weird. And then we move on, you know. But anyway, even with her, like, we're more focused on how I handle my study and my mental health. Mm-hmm. Because again, like, I don't struggle with my queer identity. Right. But because also I'm in a very
1: safe space and
0: I don't need to be in a relationship, so I don't need to face queer phobia of people because I'm, like, straight passing, you know?
1: Oh, you think you're straight passing, so you don't think you face as much queer phobia from other people.
0: And I'm in the country as well that is more tolerant toward queer relationship especially in the city I'm in the city as well that is more tolerant so even if I were I wouldn't be afraid to be out with someone else mm-hmm. but it's just I'm not because I'm on my I'm single you know yeah and I'm cis so yeah mm-hmm. do you see what I mean
1: I think so because I think a large part of that I mean let me know if you disagree with me but I think by and large, people generally tend to assume that you are allosexual and romantic, And yeah. if you're single, you're just choosing not to be in a relationship. Yeah. And if you don't really specify otherwise, I think a lot of people assume that you are probably attracted to a different gender than you are. Yeah. So I think that's what you mean, right? Is that what you mean?
0: And also when I'm just speaking to people, when they're asking me, for example, are you with someone? I'm not, so I'm just saying no. I don't have to like out myself to be like, oh, I'm with a woman or I'm with this person. That's not angry. Or I could just say, right, I'm in a relationship but in France, everything is gendered. So when you kind of start talking about it, it's really hard to keep it like gender neutral.
1: Ah, uh, like the language is gendered, you mean? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. all the
0: language is gendered. So it's really hard to keep it gender neutral. So if you're in a queer relationship, and someone asks you about it it's a lot of like mental effort to phrase it in a way that it is gender neutral if you don't want to out yourself right and for me i don't need to out myself because also asexuality is something very private mm-hmm. and i came out to my parents and i had a friends a trans friend i was like why did you came out to your parents it's not gonna impact your parents or the ability of you to be in a relationship But for me, because asexuality carries a lot more than just the lack of sexual attraction. It's also why, like, for me, I don't want to be in a relationship. So I wanted to tell my parents, like, even though I haven't introduced you to anyone, doesn't mean I don't have special people in my life Mm. that cares for me. And you have actually met them through different friends, blah, blah. So that's why I came out. But it wasn't just being like, here's my sexual history. (laughs) It's just how I interact and also so that they don't worry Thinking like, oh, my daughter's gonna die on her own, you know, I was just like, I just have special people, but they don't show up in the more cis-heteronormative way that you could have expected. Mm.
1: How Can I ask yeah. how your parents reacted when you did tell them about your asexuality?
0: I don't think they knew the word first, but then I think they did research and they knew. And my dad was like, are you happy in your life? And I was like, yes, dad, I'm very happy. And I was like, well, that's all that matters. Mm.
1: I'm very lucky. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the best responses I can imagine. Yeah. I'm happy for you. So, out of curiosity, if you were to describe somebody whose identity does not fit into the binary gender norms, what kind of language would you use for them? What kind of pronouns?
0: In French? Mm Mm-hmm. So, it all depends on them? Right. Like the pronouns that they've decided to use. Of course, yeah. The most common one in France that is being used is YEL. YEL. Yeah, so in French, he is IL. Mm-hmm. She is "elle," And so the non-binary, like neo-pronoun is
1: yell. How do you spell it? I-E-L. I-E-L. Cool. I like that.
0: Yeah, so, and as well, like, in French, now, there's an inclusive writing where you, if you're speaking about people in general, about a non-binary person, mm-hmm. you have a way of writing a word with all the female, the male ending together. Like, there's a way now of writing oh. so that you incorporate both gender for non-binary and in speaking, it's trickier but there is for example like to say director réalisateur, a female director is réalisatrice. Mm-hmm. so now you say like this way of speaking so mm-hmm. I'm still working on it to make it like smoother and more of a getting used to it without having to think about it because I've just moved back to France like two years ago and for one year I was in a tunnel <laughs> and now I'm back with queer France like queer French France so, yeah, it's like when I was first in the UK, getting to learn the accurate vocabulary to speak about trans friends and trans people. But yeah, now it's getting better in France, because now you have to twist the language until people are like, what is
1: this? Right. a
0: beautiful language. What have you done to it all about?
1: I'm sure it's a big shift for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, it's
0: okay. <laughs> they'll survive, they'll survive.
1: Um, But that's cool. So you're saying that all of the gendered words essentially in French, they're getting updated to have a gender neutral version? (laughs)
0: Some, yeah, within the community, like it's not mainstream at all. It's mostly within the activist and the queer community, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it is, even with like activist circles that are not mainly queer, they will have this inclusive language more and more. And even in terms of relationship, I feel it's becoming more and more gender neutral and less heteronormative language. So yeah, it's a very interesting time, and also you do have adjective that works for whoever. So instead of using mm-hmm. more gendered adjective, you would go more for like one that doesn't require to be changed because of the person's gender.
1: So yeah. Okay. Excellent. That's uh, elating to hear. Yeah, no, that's good. You always start with a small faction. Exactly. Of society,
0: and I think it's getting. Especially inclusive writing, mm. it's not that hard. It's not making up words. Just you add all endings at the end.
1: Also, all words are made up.
0: Right? And then in France, like, some people, even, like, years ago, where at some point, like, the French Literature Academy mm-hmm. wanted to, like, delete a sign under a C, And people were like, this is the end of French culture. Like,
1: blah, blah, blah. Oh, the little, like, comma-looking thing. Yeah, under
0: the C, And people were, like bloody
1: murder.
0: I was like, "Yeah, I, I, I couldn't care. <laughs> I'm not too fast.
1: I want to know why that's there. Uh, I'll look up a, a like an hour long YouTube video after this call. Let me know. Okay. <laughs> I'll update you. When you go on dates with people, A, do you let people know that you're asexual? And B, do you think your asexuality gets in the way of maybe... Interacting with people in a certain way because you might have different expectations about where it's leading to. Mm,
0: I don't tell them, so I don't tell them I'm ace.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like people might have a misunderstanding or a wrong understanding of it, mm-hmm. so I don't want to like tell it right away when I don't know them. I get that because people like think it's celibacy. Like I don't know where this person's coming from, so. I won't mention it. Mm-hmm. I feel like, sure, it probably must interact. Like, if I were allosexual, I think that would be about something about sexual. I would be able to sleep around and go to Stranger's Flat. Maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like you really, really <laughs> want to go to Stranger's Flats.
0: I really want to. With eyes I have sex with them. Um,
1: That's valid. That's a valid urge. <laughs>
0: But not for the bad sex, because my friends were straight, and they were talking about all the bad sex they had. I was like, so why are you putting yourself through this? Because you don't seem
1: the Maybe it's just to see
0: the flats. No, because the only reason they're speaking at length about the flats is because I'm asking questions about the flats. (laughs) Like, they didn't care much about the flats.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Like, sometimes they would tell me, like, stories where, like, I entered this guy's flat, and there was just, like, this creepy doll in the corner, you know?
1: That is interesting.
0: But then I'll leave the one just being like, and how was the flat? Like, the flat was no big deal. And I'll still be like,
1: was it a two-bedroom? Yeah, that's not enough detail. <laughs> I don't care about the sex. Do they have sconces? <laughs> what, what was the lighting like? And, you know, what were the bathroom tiles like? Was it cleaned? Yeah, were there any molds? <laughs> Do they drink tea? Do
0: they have a kettle? Weren't there water in the microwave?
1: I don't want to know. Those are interesting details.
0: So yeah, most of my question could not be answered.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, they're just not looking hard enough. <laughs> they're not observant enough.
0: They're focusing on something else. <laughs> they're focusing on the, all the wrong things.
1: <laughs> they're focusing on the wrong. It's things.
0: okay. <laughs> you've already seen penises, but I'm not sure you've seen this type of kitchen. But okay. Yeah. If it's serious. If it's a priority, <laughs> oh well. <laughs>
1: I love this conversation. Yeah, because I'm somebody who pays a lot of attention to environments. And I think these are all very legitimate questions. And I'm surprised that they're paying so little attention to where they're having this apparently interesting encounter to them. But, you know. It's wasted. To each their own. It's wasted
0: on them. Wasted opportunity. (laughs) But so, yeah, on dates, it probably, like, I'm sure it would be different. But I'm not too fussed about it. Because I did have platonic partner that didn't mind me not showing any sexual interest in them. And we still managed to build up intimacy. And I'm like, if this person makes me uncomfortable because there's too much misunderstanding because of my identity, then
1: next. Mm. All right. Just one more question on the um, asexuality topic. Yeah. When you tell people... Yeah. About your being asexual, what is like the most common reaction that you've experienced personally?
0: Mm. Because with my friends, so most of the time it was coming from a good place, but they didn't understand like that also you don't have sex, and I was like, no, mm-hmm. it's a lack of sexual attraction, and because I'm talking to people beside only the ace community,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm talking to people who've never even questioned it, mhm. So it is tricky sometimes. Yeah. Because they've always felt it the same way I've never felt it, so it's hard. So sometimes I would just be like, if I'm speaking to someone that is very dead set on like an orientation, like lesbian or gay, like dead set on gender, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, have you ever thought of like, sleeping with like ex and then, like, oh, no, it never came to my mind. I was, like, same. Mm-hmm. But then again, like, it is very simplifying, and it's perhaps not the best example. But, yeah, so most of the time, it's just, like, what is it?
1: It's, like, have you ever thought about sleeping with a book? Yeah. Um.
0: But then I did have sex. So I felt it's also weird to come out with this example. But it is kind of that. Mm,
1: yeah, I see what you mean. Like, because there is that... <sighs> There's that nuance.
0: It's not because you're not feeling it that you won't do it.
1: Exactly. Like, there are many different reasons that people have sex. Yeah. And not all of them are sexual attraction. That's it. You don't have to experience sexual attraction actively to have sex.
0: And you don't need to be ace to understand that.
1: That's true. That's true. But I I will say, like, before educating myself Mm. on this topic... Which I did because I kept meeting people, Mm. not many people, but I kept meeting people who told me about their asexuality and where they see themselves on the spectrum. And this whole concept of spectrum as well in the context of like asexuality and aromanticism, like that was another whole journey to go through for me to learn about and I'm so glad that I learned about it because now I know I'm very clear with myself Mm. on where I stand on that spectrum and it also helps me to hold that space and have that room Mm. to listen to other people when they tell me about their sexuality and I'm just so so glad that now, most of all, I don't take sexual attraction for granted. Yeah. I love the fact that there are other people in the world who don't take it for granted. And they some people never experience it. Some people are actively repulsed to sex. Mm. Some people love to have sex, but it's like a different thing for them. And I think it's really beautiful that there's this entire spectrum yeah. of attractions and ways you can experience or not experience it. And none, none of them is like you know, defective or better or worse than another. Um, I think that's like what educating myself on the Mm. subject has given me personally. But before my chance to do that little research and read more about it, yeah, it was was such a a blind spot for me. Mm. And I think it's really similar to when you're non-binary, for example. When I tell people that I'm non-binary, a lot of people are lost even in the queer community like even if you've heard of the term especially when i was coming out like 3 or 4 years ago mm. even in my circle yeah. of queer friends they're like okay but what is that we don't actually get mm. that and i'm like man i know you love and care about me and i know that there is not out in the open easy to access information on this subject so i'm going to let you have some time mm. to soak it in but This is who I am. I'm not going to change. And I do feel like when people in general don't have that awareness that this is a thing, right? This is a thing that exists. It makes it harder to have conversations, even to bring it up, like you said, because you don't know how they're going to react. And you don't know how it's going to change your dynamic. And if you're somebody that cares about relationships with people, no matter what form it comes in, then, of course, like you're more cautious, I hope that changes, though. <laughs> yeah, I feel
0: if it's a real-life encounter, I would be more, I am more open to say it than if it's like a date from an app. hmm But I'll see. And yeah, overall, like, i only got, like, good reaction back every time I said I was ace. So, so far, so good.
1: Yeah, that's great. As a asexual person who is still exploring their romantic orientations and nature, um, yes, what would your ideal date look like? If you went on a new date off yeah. of Bumble tomorrow and you're at peace and like everything's good, what would your ideal date look like?
0: It will be a theme. There should be a theme of okay. the date. So, like. Maybe like breakfast and like a nice brunch, then we go for a long walk, then go for lunch and then maybe go like to an exhibition or do a fun activity, like a fun cultural activity Mm -hmm. and go for like a nice cocktail and then say goodnight. And then no, I get to see their place without having to have sex. And Mm. hopefully their place is a bit weird. And interesting. And then I go home and tell all my friends about it.
1: That does sound pretty perfect.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And the theme can be like, I choose my favorite breakfast place and you choose your favorite lunch. And then, yeah, like for example, I went to mini golf with a friend and we decided to dress. You know how people like when they go golfing, they dress up in this very posh specific way. So we went there in this two euros (laughs) mini golf and we just had like this fancy dress. That so, sounds
1: yeah, great. that was the best date. Oh, but okay, was like, I'm getting it. It's very whimsical. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I would do that with somebody I was on a date with. That sounds great. And then the whole sexual part is just, like, fully optional. There's, like, no expectation that this is a given. Like, I think that would be wonderful in yeah. any human interaction, actually. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, but that's great. I love that. So is there anything that when life gets a bit stressful, when things get a little bit hectic, is there something you do that helps you feel at peace?
0: Yeah. So it's usually in my home. Mm -hmm. It's usually at home or depending where I live, go by a water point, go by a river, like go walk by a water source Mm -hmm. or at home. It's like making a good tea especially like yeah. green tea i really love chinese green tea and korean green tea I have like earthy nutty taste and japanese green tea you have more of like seaweedy
1: uh-huh.
0: astringent taste so depending on mood, they'll have either of them or even oolong because it's rounder it's sweeter it's fruiter uh-huh. so just like take time to infuse it properly and then to have the green yellowish liquid so i'll have that where i can see it and then make a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And usually what I like doing a puzzle is like listening to podcasts or TV show. But what I love, I'm obsessed with Korean reality TV show, Otera's House. There's, there used to be a Japanese TV show.
1: Oh yeah, I know about this.
0: Or like I Live Alone, right? The Korean show where you see people's daily oh, yeah. life. I find it very soothing to just look at people doing the ordinary
1: Mm-hmm.
0: having people like making breakfast in their own home routine it's just very soothing going about my day it just brings me peace to know that oh i'm doing that as well like it looks like that when i'm living i'm also just so putting something quite low-key mm-hmm. and sometimes just hardcore true crime podcast while doing my very lovely puzzle and my good tea
1: <laughs>
0: depending on my mood
1: <laughs> tea puzzles and whatever show you're in the mood for.
0: Medias, yeah. I like music, films. I like to have creative stuff around
1: me. Yeah.
0: Junior high films saved me. I used to watch loads of them. So I'm trying to get back into it. I'm trying to watch more films and really get into the mood of
1: it. Mm, What kind of films are you uh, interested in watching these days?
0: Yeah, so this is horror movie because it's like spooky season.
1: Mm-hmm. Is it like more gore or like spirits?
0: No, I don't like gore. Thriller, ghosty, okay. or just to have like a very heavy mood. Mm-hmm. Horror movie is hard to make because the one a horror movie is done just right. It's all about the atmosphere, the mood. Yeah. Whether it's the TV show like The Fall of the House of Usher, right? Mm-hmm. The entire atmosphere. It's really well done, and I love it. Yeah,
1: Mike Flanagan shows in general. Yeah. We were talking about that before the call, Yeah, talking about The Haunting of the Hill House, which is my favorite one. Yeah,
0: it's a good
1: one. Out of all of the shows on Netflix made by him. But yeah, the mood, the atmosphere, like, when it's well done, it's so yeah beautiful. That's it. But there's nothing like quite like it.
0: Exactly, and I really like also Japanese, nowadays, very specific type of cinema, with like Naomi Kawazao, Kurida. I forgot the name. Where it's very much as well about like the ordinary and showing off beauty within nature, very much within mm-hmm. this Japanese aesthetic um, mark. Yep. And and rom Like these days, I realize I'm into rom I watched Bridget Jones the third one last week. So yeah.
1: Wow. <laughs> Impressive.
0: I'm no snob.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I think we established that at the very beginning of this episode talking <laughs> That's about selling true. sunset. <laughs> I will add to the list, like, my specific go-to shows Mm -hmm. when I'm stressed is definitely, like, Japanese shows that feature a lot of cooking. Mm -hmm. A lot of Japanese slice-of-life drama shows Mm -hmm. feature very, very detailed cooking Mm -hmm. scenes. And recently, I watched a really good show that's a period drama. It centers around cooking. The main character is a chef, and she's a female chef in, like, the 1950s or something. In Kyoto. Okay. Um. So it's all, like, very, very, very mm. Japanese. And it was one of the most calming things I've ever seen. So I totally get where you're coming from. Don't send me the name. Mm-hmm. Um, media is great. Sometimes it sucks, but sometimes it's great. Mm, yeah. So would you say that those things also bring you joy? Yes. Or is there something else that makes you happy?
0: Yeah, so this definitely brings me joy. And then I'm going for the cliche but like, friends and family. <laughs> I'm very close to my parents. And my brother. And we always have, like, really good laugh. Like, uh-huh. So watch movies, or we sing, or we eat good food. And just going on walks. I love walking so much. It's even better if it's hike.
1: Walking's great.
0: And that's why also I love Korea for that it's so easy to find a good hike. Even though you're in Seoul, you can easily find, like, a weak climb.
1: Oh, my gosh. There's a mountain behind me, oh. as ah, we speak. <laughs> this land is 70% mountains. That's so nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I don't have much nature within the city where I'm at. I can still walk. doesn't matter if it's pretty or not. You still have interesting things to see anyways. So, yeah, walking brings me a lot of joy. Especially walking with friends is great.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, That's nice. Yeah.
0: And then I do find joy within my hospital placement when I can spend time with couples and stuff. Like, there's some joy there as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Seeing, like, happy people. I think there's yeah. a lot of energy you get from
0: seeing people who are happy just like cute couples nice partnership it's always good to see yeah
1: yeah totally i think it's also like partly because you are an empathetic person
0: yeah for better and for
1: worse (laughs) for better and for worse but you know there are those people who when they see somebody else is happy yeah they don't get happy along with them (laughs) that's true that's true So I love that you get happy when you look at cute couples. (laughs) What are you most excited about these days, if there's anything that excites you?
0: Um, I'm just excited that my evaluation is done. I had like an exam, so it's done, yeah, for my course. I'm excited because tonight I'm going to make one of my favorite soup and a friend's going to come over and we're going to watch a film.
1: That sounds great. Yeah,
0: I'm excited because next week I just have one day in placement. So I have the rest of the week to have fun. So yeah.
1: Hmm. Excited for the week ahead. Yeah,
0: and then once we're done, I'm going to try to make like a latte with chocolate and cinnamon paste in it. <gasps> so I'm going to try that, see how it turns out.
1: Oh, that sounds so good. I wish I could <laughs> be there to take a sip. <laughs> with your consent, of course. I'll
0: make some for you.
1: Oh, I know you would. Yes. It sounds delicious. Um, so which drink would you say is your favorite? Like, let's say for autumn slash winter times. Like, chillier weathers. <sighs> okay. Earl Grey. With milk. With milk. No sugar.
0: Yeah, no sugar in my teeth.
1: Oh, yeah, good choice.
0: Yeah, I lived in the UK. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I like Earl Grey, but you know Lady Grey?
0: <gasps> oh yeah, with orange.
1: That's my favorite. Mm, it's nice Mhm, It's a little lighter. It's a good one as well. And if you could paint a perfect setting yeah. to have your Earl Grey, what would it look like? So...
0: <laughs> you look
1: so excited <laughs> and schemey right now. <laughs>
0: with my Earl Grey. Okay, because now I'm craving apple sugar. So you could German pastry, like apple, cinnamon.
1: Oh.
0: Kind of like a crumble, apple crumble vibe. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. with like sauce. Earl Grey, steaming hot. And then mm-hmm. like right now, like a ray of autumn sunshine.
1: Yeah. A
0: good cozy film, maybe set in the winter in a cabin. Yeah.
1: Very cottage core. I love it. I'm
0: very cottage
1: core. <laughs> yeah. And I know that your mug, whichever one you pick, is going to be awesome because you have the coolest looking mugs, I swear.
0: Yeah. I have good ones. I like my collection.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll send you pictures. Yeah, send me a little collection if you want to. Right. I think that just about covers everything. Nice. Thank you so much for sitting down with us at the coffee shop AU oh. and sharing yourself with us. My pleasure. It's always good chat with you.
0: Yeah, it is always good. And I had like a great tea. Yes.
1: <laughs> so I hope the rest of your day goes smoothly. Thank you. Hopefully we'll hear from you again. Yes.
0: Have a great evening, and I'll come happily another time.
1: Yeah, I am looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you soon, and yeah, take care. See you very soon. Take care as well.
0: (laughs) Bye. Bye. Have a good night.